Good morning. Would you join, would you join me in uh, the scripture reading for today? It's found on page 801 in your pew Bible. We'll be reading from Matthew 20, verses 1 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a usual daily wage, he sent them into the vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. And again he went out about noon and about three o'clock, and he did the same. And at about five o'clock he went out and found others standing around, and he said to them, Why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you gave them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning, church. My name is Rob Lau. I'm one of the pastors here at Ebenezer. And this week it happened. After 11 years of marriage, we kind of saw it coming. That was my wife who just read scripture. We saw it coming. Tuesday night, uh, we were watching, we were streaming a video, and Andy said, I, I need to run to the restroom. So I paused the video. Four and a half seconds later, I heard a tremendous caterwauling coming from our bathroom. And this disembodied voice from behind the door yelled, You forgot to put the seat down! <laughs> I knew this day would come in our marriage. <laughs> what ensued, let's call it a conversation, happened next. And, uh, and I, I understand Andy's complaint, right? I'm certain that what she experienced didn't feel pleasant to her. But... Here's my complaint. I just want to advocate on behalf of all the dudes in here today for just a moment, if I may. We're a partnership. Husbands and wives, 50-50, right? We're in this thing together. And my thing is this. I don't know why it is my job both to put the seat up and then also to put it down. Preach. So I said to Andy, how about this? You can pick one. I'll do whichever one you want me to do. She did not find that to be a compelling path forward. (laughs) Today we are continuing a sermon series called I Quit. Last week we talked about assumptions. Today the sermon is entitled I Quit 
complaining. I quit complaining. And I just need to ask you, do you, do you ever so, do you ever complain so much to yourself that you get tired of hearing your own voice in your head? Does this ever happen to you? It happens to me. It does. And, and I believe, I believe we can be successful when we quit complaining. I think we can do this, church. But if we're going to, we're going to have to be absolutely relentless with ourselves. The good news is that this morning, Scripture passage will help us. So in this passage, we see five different groups of people. You've got people who worked for 12 hours, and people who worked for 9 hours, and people who worked for 6 hours, and people who worked for 3 hours, and then people who worked for one hour. And at the end of the day, the vineyard owner calls them all to himself. And I want you to see something. This is really, I think, very, very interesting. It tells us something about God. When the vineyard owner called all the workers together, you notice who he ordered to be paid first. It was the people who worked the shortest amount of time. Now, imagine what would have happened if the vineyard owner had had done it In the reverse way, if he had paid the people who'd been working for 12 hours the daily wage, they would have walked away perfectly happy. And then he could have paid the people who'd been working for nine hours and said, now go, don't tell anybody, but I'm giving you the same amount I gave to the people who were 12 hours and they'd been so happy. And on down the line, until the people who'd worked one hour would have just been catatonic with joy. They got a full day's page for an hour's worth of work. The vineyard owner could have done it that way. But if he had done it that way, the world would not have seen how extravagant is his grace. And the vineyard owner does not want to hide the extravagant nature of his grace. And so, he calls those who work the shortest amount of time to come first and pays them the day's wage and on up the chain and it creates ample opportunity for complaint. It also brings me to the first piece of understanding I think we need to have when we're trying to diagnose why it is we complain. And one of the reasons I think that we have a tendency to complain in our lives is we have a tendency to engage in envy disguised as injustice. Envy disguised as injustice. We get ourselves all worked up about something that we say, oh, that's just not right, it's not just, when in reality the problem is we just don't think it seems fair to us and and I didn't get the same opportunity that somebody else got. It happens in the story, doesn't it? The people who worked for 12 hours, that was a standard day's work in the ancient Near East, were promised in advance the standard day's pay, one denarius. And so, at the end of the day, the full day's work, they got a full day's pay. They got exactly what they were promised. Is that fair? Yes. Yes, it's fair. The problem wasn't a justice issue. The problem was a jealousy issue. People, the people who worked 12 hours were envious that somebody worked for one hour and got the same reward they did. So often, in my life, and I would guess in yours, when we claim to see injustice in the world, we're actually, we're just demonstrating envy disguised as injustice. That's one cause, one cause of our complaint. A second cause of our complaining 
is what we could call a pervasive sense of dissatisfaction. A pervasive sense of dissatisfaction. It, it is the distance between what we have and what we want. That is a fertile garden in which our complaints have the opportunity to grow. There are simply some things in our lives that we don't have and we want. And therefore, we find ourselves perpetually discontent. Now, here's something I recognize. I went from telling you a funny story about a husband and wife to going into some pretty deep spiritual principles about the way that that we can make mistakes. And so I wanted to lighten the mood here, and I chose Jim Carrey to help me with that. So in just a second, I'm going to show you a video of Jim Carrey from the Golden Globes, but I wanted to let you know, if you're watching with us online, we have the right to show it in our sanctuary. We don't have the right to broadcast it, but our moderator is going to give you a link to the video. So I hope that you will join with us and then come back and, and rejoin with us in the sermon. But, but for now, check this out. Right? I'm two-time Golden Globe Award winner Jim Carrey. And when I go to sleep at night, I dream about becoming three-time Golden Globe Award winner Jim Carrey so that I can finally give up this search for something that won't satisfy me. I love his honesty in that speech. I loved it. Because what makes me think... That if I'm not happy with a three-bedroom house, that all of a sudden I'm going to be joyous when I get a four-bedroom house. What makes me think, if I'm not happy with the Toyota, that I will finally be happy when the Lexus comes? What makes me think, if I'm not happy with two children, I'm finally going to be okay when we have three? The pervasive sense of dissatisfaction isn't really about what I have and don't have. The pervasive sense of dissatisfaction which gives birth to our complaint and robs us of our joy is indicative of a spiritual reality. We are pursuing something that never is going to satisfy us. But there's hope. There is hope. We can quit complaining. How? Well, it's not going to be easy. And what I'm about to tell you is, I'm not proud of, but it is true. A number of years ago, uh, back when I was in college and then in the military, I was a smoker. And I finally quit smoking. And here's what those of you who were smokers might know about quitting smoking. It's not easy to do. And very few people who have smoked in the past were able to just quit smoking cold turkey. What they did instead was they replaced a bad habit with a... A good habit, or at least a less bad habit. So we go from, from smoking to chewing gum. I think the same thing has to happen with complaining. We're not likely to quit complaining cold turkey, church. We've got to replace the bad habits with the good ones. So how do we do this? Well, one step is we can replace a pervasive sense of dissatisfaction with a pervasive sense of thanksgiving and gratitude. We can replace a pervasive sense of dissatisfaction with a pervasive sense of thanksgiving and gratitude. Loyola University has spent a lot of their energy doing this work around thanksgiving and gratitude and what happens when people choose to live more thankful lives. And in fact, the the nature of the language they use around thanksgiving is the language of savoring. That it's important for us to savor the things that took place in our past. Like, for example, one of my earliest memories in my life, 
I was just a little boy. I couldn't have been more than two or three years old. I was just, I was bitty. I don't, do you, do you have the phenomenon when you're remembering old memories that it's almost cloudy around the edges as you're thinking back to this story? Like, does this just, just me? Okay. Uh, so I have this memory. It's cloudy around the edges. It's one of my earliest memories. And I've got this earache. I had, I suffered with earaches when I was a little boy and it was, it was terrible. And I was in my home in Alliance, Ohio, in this big farmhouse that we owned. And my mom, my mom told me that if I would just lay down on the, the couch with my ear that was hurting down, that it would help it feel better. Which, by the way, I don't know if it was true or not, but that's what she told me. So I remember laying there, two or three years old, laying there with my ear against the couch, and I'm just whimpering because it hurts so bad. And what I remember next is my mom kneeling down next to the couch and rubbing my back and praying for me. It's the first time in my life I can ever remember somebody praying for me. I savor that. And not just because it it happened in the past. Here's one of the things I also know is true. I know that throughout my life, even though that was 38, 37 years ago, I know that my mother has never stopped kneeling down beside a couch and praying for her son every single day. I savor that. Do you savor the memories of your past? Do we savor the, the realities, the blessings of our present, do we? Something happens, Loyal University tells us, when, when we savor the blessings of the past and we savor the blessings of the present, something transforms in our psyche and in our souls and all of a sudden we begin to anticipate the blessings of the future. God has given me a great deal in the past. God has given me so much right now in this moment. Imagine what God will give me tomorrow. We can replace a pervasive sense of dissatisfaction with a pervasive sense of gratitude. How? Well, one of the things that I have done in my life in dark moments, I've actually pulled out a piece of paper and a pen and I have made a list of things in my life that I am thankful for. And some of you might be saying, Pastor, listen, we don't, we don't really use paper in our house. We don't have any, we don't have any pens. Well, here's good news for you. On your phone. You can set a daily reminder. You can make it at 7 a.m., 7 p.m., anywhere that you want. You can make a daily reminder on your phone. And when it goes off, you can covenant with yourself to take a moment, bow your head, and give thanks to God for the blessings of that day. I don't know how many of you are in the habit of of praying, a daily habit of, of prayer, a daily diet of prayer, but this is a great way to start. To set an alarm on a phone and every single day to take a moment and bow our heads and simply to thank God. And what happens is a new habit develops. We find ourselves going from the pervasive sense of dissatisfaction. We find ourselves going from dwelling on the things we don't have to a pervasive sense of gratitude. Dwelling on the things that God has in fact given to us. So step one in this endeavor to quit complaining is to establish a pervasive sense of gratitude. Step two. Here's the second thing that we've got to do if we really want to quit complaining. Is to recognize that complaining is lazy. It doesn't do anybody any good. And couple that with this reality. You and I have been called to be the hands and feet of the living God on this planet. 
God wants to change the world and God wants to use us to do it. And so in those moments when we encounter true injustice in this world, it is beneath us to complain, to state a complaint to the ether. No. If we want to quit complaining, one thing we can do is instead of verbalizing our complaint out into the the atmosphere, we as God's hands and feet can choose to take action. When we see injustice, real injustice in this world, we take action. By the way, just like we did yesterday, when you raised over $50,000 to help care for some of the poorest women and children on this planet. Well done, Ebenezer Church. This week I had a... Yeah, we can clap for that. That's good. That's good. This week I had a chance to catch up with Mohammed Nebu Nabs, who is the executive director there at the Child Rescue Center in Beau, Sierra Leone, and his wife. Her name is Kim, and uh, she they've been married for about a year now, and she is our liaison with helping children worldwide. They, they both live in Beau, Sierra Leone, and I caught up with them via a web conversation. I just wanted to share some of that conversation with you. Would you check this out? Nabskin, thank you so much for being with us today here at Ebenezer. We're really grateful that you guys could take the time. And I know that uh, you've been doing some some amazing work there at the Child Rescue Center and Mercy Hospital. Uh, we're so excited to be your partners uh, as you guys are doing that great work. Can you tell me a bit about how things are going there? Hi, yeah, thank you so much for having us. It's a pleasure. Um, So from the Mercy Hospital side, things are going on really well. The hospital continues to serve the most needy in the community in and surrounding Bow, offering free medical care to the destitute populations. It's a really wonderful service. Yeah, from the CLC side, of course, we continue to transform lives and unlock potentials and develop leaders as well as strengthening families. We have uh, expanded our programs to other cities and towns and villages now, and they are benefiting from the CLC programs. And uh, the microfinance program as well is still going on very well, and we are are continuing to strengthen those vulnerable families so that they can be sustainable to take care of themselves and their children in the future. So we have been able to benefit so far 60 parents that are really, really vulnerable. They have benefited from this microfinance. So everything is going on well, and you guys, your support is really, really, really making impact in this part of the world. Well, we're glad to hear that. And uh, Nabs, I know that you in particular have a personal connection to the CRC. Would you mind telling us your story? Oh, sure. I'll just give you a brief. Uh, of course, I grew up uh, poor in a very, in a small village in the southern part of Sierra Leone. And then I was exposed to child labor at a very early age. And I was going to the farm every morning to work on the farm with my poor parents, mom and dad, until when the rebel war started. By the, at the age of six, the rebels reached our village. And then my father was killed and I got separated from my mother and uh, little brother. And then I had to sleep in the bush for some time and I ended up sleeping on the streets of Bo. And then later on, I ended up being enrolled into the Child Rescue Center program. And then I was able to go to school and uh, throughout university. After university, I was called back to come and work at the Child Rescue Center, which I was very, very pleased 
with and I've been able to work there for so long now. I'm, I'm acting, I'm, I'm currently the director of this organization, which, which I'm so proud of and um, so, so much means a lot to me to be able to come back to serve vulnerable children and families. So I'm so much grateful. Well, and I know that your passion from the fact that you have this experience in your past, I know it makes you all the more passionate about the amazing work that you guys yeah. are doing at CRC. So God bless you for that. And Kim, you Thanks. know, uh, you're working with the, uh, with HCW, our partners there, and uh, Mercy Hospital. One of the things that we know is that uh, the women in Sierra Leone face some of the highest mortality rates in the world when it comes to childbirth. And so Ebenezer was really blessed to provide funding for the new operating room that is going to support uh, C-sections to help uh, save some, some people's lives, not just impact lives, but save lives. Can you give me an update on how that work is progressing? Yeah, thank you. Um, so the building itself is completed, which is so exciting, and thank you so much to Ebenezer for their very generous donation for that. And then the container of supplies to outfit the operating theater have arrived last week, so those are in the process of being inventoried and set up. Um, it will take a little bit of time to get everything up and running. Um, some of the staff need to do some extra training, and we actually just found out that GBGM is going to be supporting a training for Dr. Amara, who's the new doctor-slash-surgeon, and Sister Augusta, who's the head of the nursing department, and they'll be traveling to the Philippines for two weeks in February to do a specific training on cesarean sections. So that'll be really beneficial. Um, and then some other trainings for new staff who are going to be coming on board to help with this. But we're very excited and hopeful that in early next year we'll be up and running and everything will be going smoothly um, and providing much-needed care. Um, you know, there just aren't that many medical facilities in Sierra Leone, and sometimes women have to travel 10 miles or more to get to one, and they just can't afford to. And once they get there, then they have to pay, um, even for something as life-saving as a cesarean section. So it's very exciting that we'll be able to offer this free of charge to the women in Bo and then also in the outreach areas um, where we reach up to 10,000 people um, just on the outreaches alone. And there's many more who will be benefiting as well. So thank you for that. It's mm -hmm. going to be so helpful. Well, I appreciate you saying thanks to us. But on behalf mm -hmm. of Ebenezer, I want to say thanks to both of you and your entire team that continues to do amazing, world-changing, life-saving work in Bo Sierra Leone. Mm -hmm. We are so excited to be partnering with you guys. Just one final question for you. I understand last Sunday you celebrated your first anniversary together. And yeah, uh, yeah. congratulations on that. Well, Thank yesterday, <laughs> yesterday we uh, held our Go for Bo race. And so my question is, if in celebration of your second anniversary, you might consider coming down here to Stafford and joining with us and running Go for Bo next year. What do you think? <laughs> yeah. Sure. That would be awesome. Go. We'll be, we'll be there for that. We'd, we'd love to have you any anytime you guys can be here, but we appreciate the amazing work that you are doing in Bo Sierra Leone. God bless you, and from all your friends and the saints at Ebenezer, know that you are in our prayers and that we continue to do the things we can do to support the amazing ministry you're doing. So God bless you guys, and thank you for your time today. Thank, thank you. you. Thank that you so fun. much. And thanks to Ebenezer again. Thank you very much for everything. Thank you, Ebenezer. We love you. And thank you so much. Uh, if you're a woman in this room and uh, you've been pregnant before, would you raise your hand? I mean, if, if other people know that, you raise your hand if you know. 
right? If you don't have to really tell anybody yet, you don't have to raise your hand. Keep your hand up for me if you've been pregnant. Now, keep your hand up if you ever had to walk 10 miles or more to get to your doctor's appointment. Anybody? This next year, the, the operating room is going to be open. That operating room that's going to offer things like cesarean sections is going to save women's lives and children's lives. It's going to save those lives. And here's what you need to know. If it were not, if it were not for the work of Ebenezer Church, that operating room would not exist. You did that. Over the course of the last few years, the last two and a half years, Ebenezer Church has given $400,000 to the ministries that are happening in one of the poorest cities on the planet there in Bo Sierra Leone. But it's not, it's not just over the last couple of years. This work has been happening for years. You heard Nabs tell his story. He was a little boy when he was my son Brock's age. He watched his dad slaughtered during the Sierra Leonean Civil War. He slept in the jungle. He slept on the streets of Bo. And then he found the child rescue center where they took him in and they loved him and they educated him. And then the United Methodist Church, the global church, sent him off to college. And after he finished his education, he felt a call from God to go back and start to lead the child rescue center that had saved his life when he was a little boy. This has been changing lives for a generation now. And it's because of people like you. My brothers and sisters... It's not just that complaining steals our joy. Complaining is not enough. Complaining is the easy way out. God has called us to be God's hands and feet on the earth. And when we see injustice in the world, we have to take action. And that's what you did yesterday. So thank you. I, uh, I hope that we will move away from envy disguised as injustice and pervasive senses of dissatisfaction. And I hope we will move away from complaining and instead to find our lives filled with joy as we move towards pervasive senses of gratitude and as we choose to recognize it's not enough to complain, but instead we are called to take action. I hope you'll join us next week as we continue our sermon series, I Quit, and between now and then, I hope you will join me as together we strive to quit complaining. Would you pray with me, church? Holy God, we confess that there have been some times that we were just envious. Forgive us. There have been some times that rather than focusing on your many gifts, we focused on what we didn't have. Forgive us. We want to give up this habit of complaining. We want to find the joy that we can receive when it is gone. Help us. Help us to be aware and grateful for the many blessings you have placed in our lives. Help us, instead of complaining, to take action and make a difference in this world. Thank you, God, for all of your many gifts to us and for a chance to change the earth in order to bring you glory. In the name and to the glory of Christ Jesus our Lord, we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen.